you know, kind of a, a, a blowout. But, you know, it was... I I think the NFL kind of dropped the ball, or ESPN at least dropped the ball with their flex scheduling. Sure. Well, ESPN I mean, doesn't have it. It's at oh, yeah. NBC. Oh, yeah, 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 NBC. Yeah, well, the, the thing about ESPN is, you know, um, they, they had to guess which teams would be nationally relevant. Seahawks-Rams last week? Disaster. I mean, the uh, the Jaguars, I think, had four primetime games between Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night games. And, you know, NBC just has such a sweet deal. They can't get every game. They tried to get the Tebow-Patriots game this week. But they generally get a pretty good game every week, and they can change it out to where they'll prob- you'll probably see Giants-Cowboys in Week 17 to where they'll get a game with real playoff implications, which is something that ESPN just wasn't able to do. All right. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. You'll hear about the rest of the world of sports tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll uh, take a lot of NFL today. But uh, for Adam Walensky, Jeff Turner, I'm Mike Lewandowski. We'll leave you with a good night and a go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Tambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Tambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Tambellini. Hi, this is Maggie Estep, and I'm doing a legal station ID. I'm not sure what's legal about it, but so here it goes. You're listening to um, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, legally. I'm not a normal girl. I'm an angry, sweaty girl, so bite me. Oh, but I think that's supposed to be a good specialty, so I should be happy, right? I should count my blessings. Anyway, the point of all this is you're listening to WCBN, okay? Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I guess the uh, interesting sort of big week in terms of people passing away and international events. Of course, it was announced today that Kim Jong-il has 
met this mortal coil. So the uh, International Communist Daffy Duck Appreciation Society is actively seeking a new president. Yeah. And of course, their version of communism can hardly be called that. I, it, it's a, it's a yeah. totalitarian mind thought control Personality situation. cult uh, costume party. But I think as interesting as any passing, uh, of course, Vaslav Havel passed. Maybe we can talk about him in an upcoming show. But Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> uh, it's ironic that uh, perhaps poetic justice, or in the case of Christopher Hitchens, maybe I would jokingly call it prosaic justice. <laughs> but he passed on the official uh, flag ceremony day of, of the end of the Iraq war. Obviously, the American presence in Iraq will remain, but to Obama's credit, uh, although in my opinion he took too long to dot the I's and cross the T's, um, he did resist keeping a residual force, a 25,000, 30,000 right. troop presence. Basically, the only troops that are going to be there are embassy protection. But uh, Christopher Hitchens passed away on Thursday night. And I, I find it very weird that he died in Houston. I found this in the, the New York Times obituary on Christopher Hitchens, which is well worth reading. I think that Christopher... Yeah, he'd been ill for a while, so yeah. that may have been at some kind of treatment center. Treatment center, possibly hospice. Uh, his, his last several months, he was definitely uh, connected to morphine <laughs> drips, as they say, because I uh, um, heard a fascinating uh, BBC uh, report uh, the night that he died. They reported it early, uh, well, late, late Thursday night, early Friday morning. And in fact, the nine o'clock uh, edition of the BBC on uh, WUOM devoted the first 20 minutes of the program to Christopher Hitchens. Wow. Um, Hitchens, I think, is one of the great uh, essayists of the last 40 years of the English language, uh, leaving aside his provocativeness, his definitely politics. a polemicist, as the uh, Times. Uh you yeah, know, accurately calls him in its uh, headline. A polemicist who slashed all with wit. Um, then they note that he was a, quote, equal opportunity abuser. He included Henry Kissinger and Mother Teresa among his targets. Uh, I might have passed on Mother Teresa, but we'll leave that Oh, for... I wouldn't have. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I strongly recommend that book. Uh, uh -huh. When it came out in paperback, yeah. I bought several copies to give to uh, friends and relatives. Um the way that uh, Mother Teresa's legacy is exploited, oh, yeah. and uh, and she herself was a very exploitative person, uh, took money from Charles Keating and a number of other uh, the, the Duvaliers in Haiti. Uh, she was a scoundrel and uh, soundly deserved the thrashing that he gave her in a very slender and easy-to-read book. He sort of went off the deep end for me in his uh, uh, insistence that Whitewater was uh, something worth making a lot of to-do about and uh well he became a certified clinton hater indeed uh from the so-called left because of course for american uh, readers his main um vocation here in the united states was writing at the nation magazine and vanity fair uh where he started interestingly in 1981 uh with the minority report and i would say that his essays had a certain influence on my thinking though his pathological hatred of Bill Clinton I never could quite understand. Um, but he was uh, a fascinating writer. His uh, book reviews that, that I've read over the years in the London Review of Books are superb. 
Uh, this is a exceedingly erudite man, vituperative, witty, provocative, all sorts of things you can say about him. In fact, I in a in a sort of a, a, a situation on Friday night where I was at the bar, I wrote down some things about him when I was in a sort of Christopher Hitchens state. <laughs> Not quite Christopher Hitchens, because uh, he drank copious amounts of booze. Chain smoked for years. Chain smoked, and he when he frequently appeared on television, he looked like he had just woken up from a bender. Literally, he uh, I, I wrote down looked like Teen Spirit. As <laughs> <laughs> one of my uh, witty comments of about Christopher Hitchens, but the uh, breadth of his uh, writing and interests intellectually, I think, are well worth. Uh, Acknowledging that this was one of the brilliant uh, contemporary essayists of our time. And, of course, perhaps too much emphasis was put on the end of his life where he had written a best-selling book. God uh, is not great? Yeah, well, about his atheism, and he oh, defended yeah. it till the very end. I suspect that his last words, if indeed he died in Houston, as the obituary notes, were either that wallpaper's got to go... Or I have to go. Or perhaps I told you so. I think that was uh, something that That's I bo borrowed from Oscar, Oscar Wilde. Wilde. <laughs> uh, maybe the best last words ever, that uh, wallpaper quote. Yeah. Um, I uh, also first came to Christopher Hitchens through his column in The Nation magazine and uh, really admire the style of his writing, just his prose style, a uh, fine um, prose stylist, and uh, good taste in literature, too. He was lucky enough to uh, do an interview with Borges, the great Argentine mm -hmm. writer. Um, he interviewed uh, Israel Shahak, uh, founding member of the Israeli peace movement. Uh, his work uh, in essays and in editing collections of essays about the Palestinian situation, uh, Blaming the Victims is a famous book that he worked on with Edward Said, uh, strongly recommended. But uh, the collection of essays called Prepared for the Worst uh, it would be an excellent starting place for somebody just getting started on yeah. uh, looking back at this man's legacy. Um, and I also strongly recommend that Mother Teresa book. Yeah, I mean, the the obituary notes uh, about the Mother Teresa thing, just to uh, uh, put it in context, it said that Mr. Hitchens, and I'm reading from William Grimes's uh, obituary, which I'm sure they worked on for months because Hitchens was obviously... Uh, in a terminal situation, yeah. uh, publicly, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting, he uh, writes, Grimes writes, Hitchens became a campaigner against religious belief, most notably in his screed against Mother Teresa, the missionary position, Mother Teresa in theory and practice, 1995, and in God is not great. He regarded Mother Teresa as a proselytizer for a retrograde version of Roman Catholicism. Uh, it's interesting that he found out after his father passed away that his mother was Jewish, which uh, he had never known. And he even noted uh, that in, in the uh, complexity of his uh, character. He said that he was planning on writing an autobiography entitled Both Sides Now, which uh, is a reference to a famous song, among other things. Or yeah, Joni Mitchell tune. Could be a... a Autobiography uh, by Mitt Romney. <laughs> or, uh, and alas, his Thomas Jefferson book will uh, 
go unfinished. I don't know if he even began that, but he was uh, well, it slated says, to yeah, have uh, worked on that. It says that he has a book here about Orwell, which uh, I highly recommend his uh, insights to George Orwell, why George Orwell matters, mm-hmm. uh, actually why Orwell matters, Thomas Paine's Rights of Man, a biography, 2006, and a Thomas Jefferson, author of America, 2005. So you can tell he was uh, very prolific. I love this uh, note in here about uh, an interview that he had with Sean Hannity in 2007, uh, who, quote, tried to, and I'm quoting from the obituary, tried to make the case for an all-seeing God. Mr. Hitchens dismissed the idea with contempt. It would be like living in North Korea, he said. (laughs) So on that note, <laughs> a few comments about Kim Jong-il, perhaps. Yes, Kim Jong-il. Uh, how, how many uh, weeks do you give his son well, before the military just shunts him aside altogether and uh, he turns up either uh, vacationing somewhere uh, outside of North Korea uh, perpetually or just disappears? Well, Kim Jong... or what? His name is Kim Il-un. No, Kim, yeah. Jong, Kim Jong-un, Yeah, which in French means one. Uh, I don't know. It's fascinating that he was anointed the successor. Uh, Kim Jong-il, of course, had uh, a stroke several years ago and was obviously in bad health. Um, It's strange that they have appointed a regent, so to speak, uh, another relative to, quote, run the country. And most North Korea experts note that North Korea is essentially run by a military commission something that the Egyptians have become acquainted with recently. Yeah. Um, And uh, ironically, a uh, bizarre uh, theory of administering military justice here in the United States that the Republican Party has suddenly injected themselves into. They don't want Guantanamo shut down. They want military commissions to continue jailing Muslim terrorists. Um, the, the, The... Lead-in that I was actually going to use with Hitchens regarding the the passing of him, of course, is the irony that he died on the formal handover of uh, the American government to uh, Iraq uh, because, of course, he became a vociferous supporter of the war, which I never could quite understand because he generally took anti-imperialistic positions. Well, his revulsion for Saddam Hussein (laughs) is possibly... Yeah, one one reason. But, and the uh, Salman Rushdie thing. And yeah. Also, he was uh, characterized as a fervent nationalist because uh, it notes in the obituary that he was a uh, ardent supporter of the British war in the Falklands, um, which at the time struck me as sort of a, a pseudo war, but uh, a war that that had a huge impact on the Reagan administration because it was interesting that. Alexander Haig, a prima donna in his own right, but certainly not witty like Christopher <laughs> Hitchens, I ended up resigning because of the Americans, uh, American government's tepid support for Britain. Mm-hmm. At the time, of course, the United States was utilizing the Argentinian military junta to train the Contras, something that I can't imagine that Hitchens... Uh, Appreciated in any uh, way, shape, or form since he got his early start, uh, as the obituary notes, uh, traveling in Northern Ireland, Greece, Cyprus, Portugal, Spain, and Argentina in the 1970s. 
Um, as and, a young Trotskyite. Yeah, as a young Trotskyite in which he, quote, generally shined a light on evil practices, I'm quoting from the obituary here, of entrenched dictators or the imperial machinations of great powers. Uh, the Iraq War, of course, has turned into the biggest colossal blunder in American history. Uh, I think it has surpassed Vietnam in, in terms of its uh, horrid, and I use that word in capital letters, impact that it's had both on America and um, uh, the Middle East, and particularly the Iraqi people uh, lost in some of the coverage on Thursday. Uh, obviously, the pro forma speeches that, uh, that uh, Obama and... Uh, uh, Panetta gave to the troops. He made a surprise trip to Afghanistan uh, in which they kind of gave pep talks and uh, sort of, uh, well, let's say ex post facto uh, sort of uh, tried to portray America's role uh, in a more heroic um, fashion than should otherwise be the case. It's perhaps understandable, you know, it's always important to remember that Obama as commander in the chief, commander in chief, cannot uh, give anti-war speeches to the troops. Right. Uh, and you, yeah, I mean, you're duty bound to yeah. say that these lives were not wasted. It's not But wasted. I think the average didn't American die in citizen yeah. can stand back and say, well, gee, was my uncle's life wasted? Yeah. It always reminds me of the line from Clint Eastwood in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly when he's watching that pointless struggle over the bridge uh during the civil war i never seen so many men so badly wasted yeah or badly used badly used quote. yeah and uh i think the same could be said about uh america's blunder in iraq uh tragic waste tragic waste uh ridiculously expensive obviously the overthrow of saddam hussein is a quote accomplishment but we don't know how that's going to turn out and uh uh, you know the 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 imperialistic overreach of the United States, the neoconservative goal of remaking the Middle East. Uh, that was at the heart of their um, their evil. They were the evil doers. Uh, they violated international law. I think there's been a number of revisionist theories also about con Congress giving them approval. Congress passed a poorly worded rushed resolution that Karl Rove orchestrated mm -hmm. uh, for the 2002 elections um, that, by the way, um, virtually no Republicans voted against. This was a Republican Party war authorized by Congress. It was reminiscent of the Gulf of Tonkin. It was based on um, misinformation, propaganda, lies, deception. Manufactured stunts stunts, you name it. And then, of course, Bush is the one that gave the ultimatum uh, in violation of the congressional resolution. If for the record, the congressional resolution specifically said that George Bush had to ascertain and basically verify that Saddam Hussein was in material breach of U.N. resolutions. Hans Blix's report uh, repudiated that and said, no, there, we need more time. This is why the U.N. did not approve a war resolution for Iraq and Congress did not declare war on Iraq they passed a poorly worded resolution in October of 2002 shortly before the elections the midterm elections um, 
that basically was like the Gulf of Tonkin. It was an open-ended handover to the executive branch to do what they wanted to do. And if people had read the Project for the New American Century, orchestrated by neoconservatives, many of whom were in the top ranks of the Bush administration, one could see that the Iraq War was um, doomed to fail from the beginning. Uh, the um, testimony, the inaccurate testimony that was repeatedly given by high-ranking Bush officials to Congress on the lead-up to the war is some of the most outrageous perjury in American history regarding the costs. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating, by the way, that Lawrence Lindsay, who was chairman of the Economic Advisors, when he gave an estimate of 100 to $200 billion, uh, he was dismissed. Others said that the war would pay for itself. Um, Paul Wolfowitz, a, a signer of the uh, Project for the New American Century, which recommended the overthrow of Saddam Hussein in 1998. And let's make no mistake about this. Saddam Hussein... Uh, made a mess of Iraq on his own. Uh, he started the Iran-Iraq War in 1980. He invaded Kuwait. Uh, you can critique the uh, George H.W. Bush War of Iraq on certain grounds, but at least there was U.N. sanction. At least there were allies. There was not it was a an exit strategy. coalition of the willing, uh, which uh, Christopher Tolles, the... Uh, comic uh, cartoonist in the Washington Post characterized as the coalition of the billing. I always co called it the coalition of the killing. There was no coalition. This was a Anglo-American land grab. Uh, oil was uh, certainly part of what we were doing. And this sort of mamby-pamby idea that Iraq may somehow turn out to be a democracy at some point um, May in fact happen. Uh, we have no idea, but Iraq is a. It's just as much, uh, just as great a chance that it will turn into some sort of uh, splintered state with a Kurdish north, yeah, uh, partition, Sunni center, and a Shia southeast, mm -hmm. which is certainly how the demographic nature of the country is predisposed. Uh, the Kurds already have a sort of separate governing body sure um and it was noted pretty early on that the only real net winner of the american war in iraq were the shia in iran yeah and they're part of the you know they're part of one of the major uh ruling parties in iraq at this time uh, there are others but uh you know it's fascinating to read about the cross-border incursions into iraq's territory by turkey right involving kurds yep who are crossing into Turkey and the mischief that that eventually could uh, create. Obviously, the United States and its sort of Pax America uh, militarism, that uh, there's no end in sight to this. It's fascinating that we have this big brouhaha over the past week about the uh, payroll tax, mm. whether it's going to be extended or not, and John Boehner, Mr. Boner himself, has screwed this all up again. And who knows what will happen with that. But um, very quickly and very efficiently, the Congress passed uh, another $662 billion for the Pentagon. Um, the Iraq War, of course, the cost of it so far is, is somewhere between $1 trillion and $2 trillion, with no end in sight because of the, uh, the impact on the veterans. Exactly. Reported extensively that 32,000 Americans 
were seriously wounded in this war of choice. Yeah, and these are lifetime debilitations. These yeah. are things that individuals and their families will struggle with and that taxpayers will pay for uh, for decades. For the rest of their lives. Um, and 1.4 million troops served in Iraq. Uh, that's another number that was thrown out. Uh, of course, 4,400 died, and the number of Iraqis impacted by this war is in the millions. Uh, last week, I read a, just a little brief item about all the people in Vietnam that have died since the end of the war there. From um, uh, landmines. Landmines, an unexploded ordinance that uh, uh, Henry Kissinger, one of uh, the targets of Christer, Christopher Hitchens' uh, polemic wit. Well, of course, the uh, irradiated uh, armor-piercing armor shells no. that were used, um, the extent of the landmine usage, I guess we'll find out down the line. And let's not forget the good old-fashioned environmental devastation uh, wrought by these uh, this war. Yeah, just uh, amazing stuff. And uh, it's very difficult to listen to Americans uh, spin this in any sort of positive way. There's Some are claiming, well, at least we didn't leave Iraq the way we did Vietnam. There was a flag ceremony. Okay, I'll get out my flag, thump my Bible, and uh, have another one. Yeah, I mean, they were spared the embarrassing uh, internationally available pictures of the last helicopter leaving the rooftop of the yeah. embassy. That's sort of the, the lasting image of shame of the American withdrawal from Vietnam. Certainly there was nothing like that, but there's very little to be proud of and a whole lot to be sad about and uh, not much else. And wrapping up the Christopher Hitchens stuff, it's interesting that one of his uh, big sort of causes at one point was the defense of Salman Rushdie. Uh, the obituary notes, by the way, that he did not coin the term Islamofascism, but he apparently used it quite frequently. Uh, but I did love this uh, defense of Salman Rushdie, of course, who wrote the Satanic Verses and uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, who Ronald Reagan did business with, uh, gave him a cake and a Bible in the mid-1980s uh, to, uh, uh, you know, one of the more bizarre uh, events in American history, to say the least, how uh, any president can do business with somebody <laughs> It was a sworn enemy of the United States and not be impeached is uh, beyond me. But um, regarding the fatwa that uh, Ayatollah Khomeini issued against uh, Salman Rushdie for writing the satanic verses, he said it was, this is Hitchens, if I can phrase it like this, a matter of everything I hated versus everything I loved. He wrote in his memoirs, in the hate column, dictatorship, Religion, stupidity, demagoguery, censorship, bullying, and intimidation. In the love column, literature, irony, humor, the individual, and the defense of free expression. We'll hear here to Christopher Hitchens. Um, one of the good qualities of Christopher Hitchens, no doubt. Indeed, and uh, we probably should talk about Václav Havel in a future show, another uh important uh writer um and of course uh politician yeah sort of a reluctant politician at the end of the day yeah. but it's fascinating that one of uh 
Hitchens Good Friends, who was featured on the BBC program on Friday, uh, Ian McEwen. Hitchens kind of hung out. He had a kind of a drinking cadre uh, that included uh, um, Martin Amos and uh, Julian Barnes, James Fenton, Clive James, and Ian McEwen. He was featured on the BBC episode with uh, Tony Blair, of all people, who had a debate with Hitchens uh, on Canadian television regarding religion and faith that I missed, but I'm sure was fascinating discussion. Uh, Blair uh, confessed that he had been outdebated. Oh, yet again. <laughs> the poodle has faded. But anyway, uh, Ian McEwen noted that Hitchens' uh, greatness was the way he was able to bridge politics and literature and that he was an incredibly well-read person that could quote uh, quite a bit of poetry from memory and uh, read widely and commented widely. And, you know, that used to be true of more politicians. Uh, nowadays, of course, uh, most politicians are largely ignorant of even the political history of the United States of their own lifetimes, yeah. let alone uh, the colonial days or what have you. But uh, And their misuse of, of the Founding Fathers is one of the things that has really annoyed me in the last several years because it is, I've been reading more more stuff. It's interesting how... We are taught history in America about the Founding Fathers when we're quite young. And then we sort of move past it. Move past it. We, we, uh, the, of course, these are great, uh, great people that we need to continue to study. Thomas Jefferson, um, the underrated James Madison, underrated John Adams, uh, the significance of Alexander Hamilton, mm -hmm. uh, and the... Uh, brilliant leadership of George Washington, these founding fathers, Ben Franklin, a great... Uh, Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine, who uh, Hitchens actually honored in a book. Um, James Monroe is underrated. John Quincy Adams was one of our great secretaries of state. We need to read more about our founding fathers and dismiss some of this unbelievable nonsense that's going on in our public discourse. We can't pass budgets. We play games with... Uh, with uh, Congress doesn't even know what its job is. They, they don't even do their job. It's pathetic. Um, as soon as, you know, they pass a Senate bill that, that uh, they've apparently agreed to uh, move on and pass the payroll tax, and then John Boehner suddenly throws in the XL pipeline nonsense. It's completely disconnected from it, and it's this decline in science that's so troubling. Um, and these continued assertions that the uh, founding fathers had this uh, profound belief in, in merging church and state. It's just outrageously false. It's the other way around. Indeed. It's the whole concept of the First Amendment, which uh, I'm sure was at the end of the day one of the reasons Hitchens decided to live in the United States. He probably would have been in court quite a bit if he'd stayed in Britain as a journalist. Yeah, they don't have a Bill of Rights there, uh, for one thing. Um, and it's always clear to remember about the uh, First Amendment that you can't have freedom of religion unless you also have freedom from religion. Yes. And that is one of our great freedoms. We'd like to thank Andrew uh, once again for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. There is uh, quite a lot of traffic out there, uh, I think. There's a kind of a coalescence of people leaving town and uh, doing uh, shopping. Uh, beware, by the way, of the CBN area in particular if you're on foot.
There are crows everywhere. Bombing. <laughs> Murders of crows.